I'm going to invite you, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel 15 and verses 22 to 23. I invite my dear wife, Rosie Antonio, to share the word. Amen. Good morning, everyone. We're going to start off with a prayer this morning. And I thank God for everyone who has been able to, who is able to tune in with us today. And for those who will tune in later, um, we just give God thanks and praise that we are here on this side of the land of the living. Let us pray. Oh God, we just want to thank you and praise you for this is the day that you have made, Lord. And we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you, Father, Lord God, that according to your word, oh Father, the enemy is defeated and we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, we just face this day, oh God, according to how you would have us to face it, Lord, with yes. courage, oh Father, Lord, understanding that there's no weapon formed against us that is going to prosper. So we just thank you this morning, oh Father, Lord, that you are God over every situation, dear Lord. You have everything in control, oh God. And we place, dear Lord, every situation at your feet. Creator God, you are the one who made us. You understand our, our ways. You understand, dear Father, Lord, these times, oh yes. Father. And so we rest, oh God, in the knowledge, oh Father, Lord God, that things are going to be according to your will and according to your word. Father, for everyone listening in this morning, oh Lord, I pray, oh Father, Lord, a special blessing over their life. I pray, oh Father, for every situation that they're facing today, oh God, we present those situations to you, Lord. You said we could come boldly before your throne of grace and we could make our request known. So we pray healing and deliverance for those who are in need, oh God, this morning. We pray, oh Father, Lord, you are the great supplier. The word tells us that our God is going to supply all our needs according to your riches and glory. So we declare this morning, every need supplied according to the word of God. Every need supplied, oh Father. As we cry unto you, oh God, we cry unto you for our families, Lord God. For our countries, dear Lord God, where we live in, oh Father. We cry unto you. We ask you to forgive us, oh God, for our sins. For our shortcomings, oh Lord, anything that we have done or said or thought we know is against your will. Oh Father Lord, your word says, oh God, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just yes, yes. not only forgive us of our sins, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, you, your word declares that if your people who are called by your name will just humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, oh God, then you will hear from heaven and you will heal their land. We pray for healing for the land, so God. We pray for healing for the land, so Father. We pray for healing for families right now where they are. Healing for relationships, oh God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Healing for those who are sick and suffering, oh Father, Lord, right now. With, um, you know, not only this virus, but that is um, pandemic, oh God, but any other ailment. Uh, we're coming on behalf of those, oh Father, Lord God, who are, you know, laying down or sitting down of an ailment. And we declare right now, yes. Father, healing according to your word. It is your will for us to prosper and to be in good health, even as our soul prospers. So, Lord, we declare healing in the land this morning. Healing in the land. We join, Lord, with millions all over the yes, world yes. who are meeting in their homes or small gatherings this morning, oh, Father, Lord. And we declare, oh, Father, Lord, God, healing on this land. Yes. Healing on this land, Lord. 
healing in the mighty name of Jesus, oh Father, Lord God. We declare, oh God, wisdom and understanding for those who are in leadership positions, oh Lord, so that they may make right decisions, oh God, for this for these nations, oh Father, as they go through, oh Lord God. Oh Father, we just worship and praise you. We come this morning just to give you praise, just to gather together, Lord God, all over the world, just to lift up your name and glorify your name. Oh Father, we are expecting a blessing today. And we just praise you and thank you in no other name, but in the mighty name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Despite how things may look this morning, our God is worthy of all praise. All the honor, all the glory, the majesty, the power, and the dominion belongs to the one who spoke the universe into existence. The one who is responsible for all that is seen and unseen. The one who never sleeps. The one who never slumbers. Again, thank you so much for joining, joining us here on behalf of the Citadel Incorporated. It's a ministry dedicated to uh, equipping people for the advancement of the kingdom via practical application and demonstration. So glad that you could join us. Normally, we would be gathered together and uh, we would be worshiping from our location down there in Oakland Park. But uh, because of the signs of the time, we have decided not to tempt the hand of faith. But this morning I have a simple message that the Lord has placed on my heart and I'm, I'm asking you to stay with me. As a matter of fact, if you are a Muslim, I would like to invite you to listen because I'm going to talk specifically to people who say they are Christians. If you're a Hindu, listen to me, talk to them. If you're a Christian, listen to me, talk to us, including myself. If you're an atheist, I encourage you to listen and see if there is any sense in what is going to be said. If you are a Scientologist or any other kind of philosophical being subscribing to something else, I invite you. Just humor me if you don't believe. Listen to me if you do. And then decide if these principles make sense. If I were to give a topic or a title to the message that is on my heart, I would say caught in a trap. Years ago, there was a song. Some of you are too young to know that song, but it started something like this. It says, caught in a trap. I can't walk out. And then the singer goes on to say, because I love you too much, baby. And the song was about suspicion. You, you couldn't move on with that. But I just mentioned that to say that caught in a trap. I am reminded of a story pertaining to a farmer who would go out hunting. And he had this way of setting traps to catch the animals that he would want to have to provide meat for his family. Of course, he would set traps in different, different places on this huge farm. But for whatever reason, 
something unfortunate happened one day. While he was going out hunting, he got caught in one of the traps that he had laid. And before you knew it, a foot was caught and he was dangling upside down. He had a choice. He could either try to find a way of escaping from the trap that he had set, or he could just dangle in that inverted position until he dies. Caught in a trap. There's a word that occurs in the good book about 9,250 times. The word is woe. Woe. W-O-E. Stay with me, I'm going someplace. If you look up that word in any ordinary dictionary, it will tell you that it, 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 it alludes to a condition of deep suffering from some kind of misfortune, some kind of affliction, some kind of grief, some ruinous type of trouble, some affliction, economic or otherwise. Woe. It is an exclamation of judgment upon God's enemies if you subscribe to this book or even if you don't. It is an exclamation that typifies or alludes to or predicts misfortune on oneself. In the case of a particular chapter that I'm going to share from today where Yeshua Amashiah, the Jesus who is the Christ. Woe has to do with sadness over the failure of some people or some person over the ignorance of their condition. It's like a frog jumping along happily, happily and then somehow jumping into a pot of boiling water. Because of the condition the, the, the biological composition, makeup of that frog. I understand that the heat doesn't affect it immediately, so it, it won't, it just stays there, totally oblivious until it's too late. Whoa. I want to focus the message that I have for us, including me, from Matthew chapter 23. And the verses that I will focus on are from verse 13 down through to, to 37. I am focusing on those verses because the word woe appears seven times in that section of the scripture from Matthew 23, 13 to 37. Woe. And here is the teacher, the master, Yeshua Amashai. And he was not talking to atheists. He was not talking necessarily to agnostics. He was not even necessarily talking to sinners or infidels. He was talking to teachers of the law. He was talking to perhaps 
preachers, scholars, well-learned men, religious people. And so the first woe, this is not a typical message that anybody wants to hear because we want to hear something that will make us feel good. What we want is not something to make us feel good while we are boiling in hot water. So it's not going to be a feel-good message. But hear me out. Woe to you teachers of the law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. Why is he calling them? The second verse tells me why. The second part of that verse, it says, this is what you do. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven and you slam it, you shut it, you close it into people's faces. You yourselves, you do not enter. You simply stand by the door and you prevent those from entering into the kingdom of Yahweh, the kingdom of Jehovah. Woe unto you. Is there somebody who says they are, are citizens of the kingdom? Is there somebody saying that I'm a child of God? But instead of being a door, a gateway, a conduit to the kingdom, you're blocking the door. Do you know somebody? I know this passage was written over 2,000 years ago. But the principle still holds. People can stand at the door and block the entrance. Is there somebody blocking the entrance to your life, to your, to your vision, to your dream this morning? Help me call them hypocrites. That's the first woe. The second woe is in verse 15. And again, he called them teachers of the law, Pharisees and scribes. They, they were hypocrites. This is what they, they do according to the context. They travel all over land and sea to win a single convert. That's good. But when they have succeeded in winning them over, the treatment that is rendered to these new converts is so bad that they become twice as much a child of hell or children of hell than they were before. So you got them, you convert them. And instead of building them up and sustaining them and helping them to grow in grace and in the knowledge of truth, what do you do? You with your hypocrisy and your rules and your laws, you make them twice as much children of the hell and of Satan. Woe be unto you. Woe be unto me if I so do. Woe be unto you who do that. That was the second woe. Now the third woe. Again refers to those blind guides, because they, they are supposed to be guides. And I tell you why he called them blind guides. Hypocrites again, this is what he says. You say, Yeshua talking to them, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, that person is bound by that oath. And he's still explaining, he said, you blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone, if anyone swears by the gift on the altar, the person is bound by the oath. He calls them blind again, if you were to look at the 19th verse in this chapter. He said, which is greater, the gift 
or the altar that makes the gift sacred. So, Yeshua saying to them, Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. We are to stop majoring in the minor. We are to stop placing emphasis on the smaller things without recognizing the awesomeness of the God of the universe, the omnipresent, the omniscient, the all-knowing one. The emphasis should not be on our religion and our piety in the first instance. It should be on the first thing, the God of the universe, the maker. Woe unto you who decide to take an oath. And just in reference, you don't really have to take an oath. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. There's a fourth woe in verse 23 when you get a chance. And this has to do with all of our religious people. We are so religious. We are very religious. We give a tenth of our tithes. And that is fine. It's in the book. A tenth. That is good. It's good to give a tenth. <laughs> you do it with your money, your spices, your mint, your dill, your cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law. And what are the more important matters of the law that you are disregarding? One of them is justice. Is justice only for the downtrodden, the unfortunate, the poor, the weak, the widow, the fatherless? Is justice only for them? Is your justice only justice that favors the rich and famous in high places? Do you know anybody around like that who is not truly administering justice? Well, this is the fourth woe. You go to church, I hear somebody say, and you give a tenth of what you have to the kingdom, and rightly so. But you have majored in the minor because there is something more important than that. As it pertains to the law, justice is important. Mercy is important. Faithfulness is important. And if we are not emphasizing those, if we do not practice the latter as well as the former, if you don't practice giving your tithe as well as administering your justice, your mercy, and your faithfulness, again, you're a hypocrite. You're blind guides. Oh, you're like someone who tries to get a small not a biting fly but at the same time you are swallowing the equivalent of a camel woe unto you woe number six <laughs> you hypocrites you who say you are kingdom citizens you who say you are Christians you who say you are believers we who say we are believers 
Woe number six. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside but on the inside are full of the bones of dead and everything is unclean. If we are not doing what we are supposed to do, woe be unto you, woe be unto me. If we just dress up all, in all these beautiful clothes and on the inside our thoughts are stink, decay, we would be like whitewashed sepulchres. Look good on the outside. Oh, some of you don't necessarily know what sepulchre is or grave is because these days people are dying so fast it seems that they have to be cremated. But sepulchres, if you're from the islands, it would have to do with a, a cave in the rock or a hole in the ground and a monument made there. And at certain times of the year, people would go and they would clean clean around it, paint it again to remember their loved ones. It doesn't mean they expect their loved ones to be there, but that's the, the mark of the place, the resting place. But inside, everybody would know that it's dead men's bones. If we are hypocrites, if we do if we do the minor things and leave out the more important things, inclusive of justice, mercy, and faithfulness, yes, we are like whitewashed sepulchres. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And my seventh and final woe, as pertaining to this chapter to the blind who pretends that they know who pretend that they know it all and they can lead blind leaders hypocrites you build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves that I mentioned earlier and you say we have lived if we had lived in the days of our ancestors in other words if we had lived in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah we wouldn't do what those people do. We would do the right thing and Gomorrah would be saved. If we were alive and we were back in Egypt and we got delivered out of slavery and we were, we were guided by light in the night in the desert and a cloud to cover us in the day, if we, were, we wouldn't have sinned against God. We would be different. That is what the thing is saying. <laughs> if we had lived in those days, we would have taken we would not have taken part in the shedding of innocent blood, especially the blood of the prophets. But guess what? If we are hypocrites, these days, I challenge you, I challenge me, if we are hypocrites, we are testifying against ourselves. We are testifying against ourselves that we are the descendants of the prophets, that we are the descendants of a godly heritage, that we are the sons and daughters of Abraham. Yes, and by the way, we will not necessarily, we are, we are invited into the kingdom to be qualified because of Yeshua. But if we say we are children of God Almighty through accepting His Son as Lord and Savior, if we say we are children of Jehovah because we are literally Israelites or we are literally another 
descendant from another of the twelve tribes of Israel. If we say all of this, but yet we are hypocrites and we do not do what the word says. Here are some terrible words that we will not want to hear in these times. But this is what they were called by Jesus who is the Christ. He himself called them in verse 33 of that same Matthew 23. He calls them. He says, you snakes, you brood of vipers. Reminds me of John the Baptist. This is not a nice message. You're cursing us on a Sunday morning, Dr. Floyd. You, why are you preaching that? I don't want to hear. Don't turn, don't turn it off. Remember now, I am not talking to you unsaved people. I am talking to the teachers of the law. So you can, you can listen. I am talking to those with their many PhDs who have spent years in biblical studies. Those who have practiced religions for decades. Or those who know it all. They have it made. They are pious and righteous. Or they are loud and screaming. Speaking in tongues. But deep below they are hypocrites. Yeah, they are the ones I'm talking to this morning. Generation of vipers. You who have killed and crucified. You who have flogged people. These are some of the actions meted out against people of long ago and people are doing it today. A man of God bringing a word from God, you are castigated, you are criticized. That's fine if you do so. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad if you are qualified for so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. But as he was talking in verse 35, Jesus said, And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth from the blood of the righteous, from Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, who you murdered between the temple and the altar. As it was then, is it so now? Truly I tell you, all this will come upon the generation. So you say, if we were alive in those times, we wouldn't do it. But I call upon you today, you who say, if you were alive in days past, you wouldn't do what they did. I am calling to you from the continents of the world. I am calling to you from Africa. I am talking to you in Antarctica. I am talking to you in Australia, in Europe in North, in South America, in the islands of the sea, I am talking to you. Are you trying to say that if you were alive in the times that we have read about, even in this book, that you would have behaved differently? I am calling to you this morning, in all the seven continents of the world, in all the islands of the sea, I am calling, I am beseeching to you, for I hear the Lord talking to you as if he were talking to Jerusalem. I hear him say, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those sent to you. How often I would have longed to gather you, your children together, as hens gather her chickens under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yes, he was talking to them just before his crucifixion and resurrection. But I hear him 
talking to you this morning, the word for you in all the world this morning, the word for you in these United States of America, where I am sitting this morning, the word to you islands of the sea, the word to you in Africa, in Australia, in Antarctica, the word to you is this. Repent. Change your way. Change your attitude. Change your way. Can't you see you're caught in a trap? There's a lie that the enemy is telling you. He's telling you that you can't get out. This is what you need to do. The word was read so ably to you from 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23. Don't bring me your sacrifice. Don't bring me your piety. Obey me. Obey me. Obey me. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. You're caught in a trap. The way out is obedience. Because as the prayer was prayed this morning, I quote this word again. And everybody knows it to say it. But let me put it in context. First Chronicles 7, 12 through to 16. Let me put it in context. After Solomon had built the temple, the Lord appeared to him one night in 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 7, 12 to 16. And this is what he said to King Solomon. I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place for myself as a temple of sacrifices. When I shut the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send plague among your people or send plague among my people. This is where the verse comes into context. The one that we quote so much in church. Verse 14 of 2 Chronicles chapter 7. If my people who are called by my name. If, if my people who are called by my name. Will humble themselves. <laughs> and pray. And seek my face. And turn. Turn from their wicked ways. Be converted change from their wicked ways. Then there is a promise made to Solomon and I declare that the word, the principle applies to us today. Then says the Lord, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And this is what the Lord is saying to you, to me, to the entire universe, especially to those who have forsaken him, those who have disowned him. Now he says, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to your prayers that you are offering in this place. The place where you are. Just as the place where Solomon was. His eyes are open and his ears, he's ready to hear. Can God be saying to you this morning? Is he saying to us? I have chosen and consecrated this place so that my name may be there forever. Can he say that about your house? Where you live, where you sleep, where all your belongings are. Can he say that about your synagogues? Can he say that about your quote-unquote church? Your houses of worship? Can he say that about the place where you make your shrine? That he has consecrated that place. This is my advice to you, O teachers of the law, O scribes and Pharisees, O 
people with doctoral degrees and master's degrees and diplomas and certificates, those who have decades of service in the university of scripturology, don't look for that verse. You, this is what the Lord requires of us. We are supposed to be salt of the earth. But if we lose the saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's not good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. I'm just quoting a verse from Matthew chapter 5. Yes, verse 13. And in that same book, in that same chapter, the next verse is, You are the light of the world. I'm talking to Christians, believers, kingdom, citizens, righteous people now. Oh, I'm talking to you. You are, we are the light of the world. Listen, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bushel. Instead, they should put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. I'm still reading verse 15, verse 16. In the same way, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, your righteous work, your kingdom work, and then not praise you, but give glory to your Father in heaven. So you're caught in a, in a trap because you're telling people that you're righteous, that you know the Lord, that you're a pastor, that you're a deacon, that you're a prophet, that you're a prophetess, that, that you are dot, dot, dot. But if you are a hypocrite, you need to change. Notice, kingdom citizens, people who call themselves children of the Lord, you are the ones. So let me summarize what you're supposed to do, as if you had not been hearing it for years. Do what Matthew 22 verse 37 and you could read all the way up to 39 if you want. But it says, You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second one is equally important. You should love your neighbors even as you love yourself. We are caught in a trap in many ways. The world is closed down, it seems. People are dying more than usual because of the pandemic and everybody is focused on that. So you're caught in a trap in your house. But how about freeing yourself from that other trap that enslaves us? The trap of sin, compromise, lack of justice, lack of mercy, lack of obedience. To Yeshua. I invite you to stay right where you are now and think on these things. Why don't you make a decision? You talk to your God right where you are. If you say you love him, if I say I love him, I should keep his commandments. You should keep his commandment. But if you're a spectator, as the so-called children of the righteous are charged, including myself. 
you could make a decision to ask Jesus who is the Christ to come into your heart to come into your mind to come into your soul to come into your spirit and to change you right where you are do it now so Lord I know I'm a sinner or I think I have committed a sin and I might not be worthy to be called your son or your daughter or make me an iron servant forgive me if you do that and you ask him to come into your heart he'll make you more than a hired servant he'll make you a queen who you really are a king who you really are a prince a princess have a wonderful week and we were happy to come to you today be blessed be encouraged god is still in control hallelujah Amen. you're gonna have a powerful week this week can you believe that <laughs>